Hello, and welcome to the Three Will Podcast. Today, I've got Matthew Chestnut here with me. Thank you for joining me, Matthew. Hello, Danny. How are you doing? Doing well. This is our second or third time we've gotten together. <laughs> I can't remember exactly how much fun we've had in the past, but here we go again. We've had a lot of fun. It, yeah. it has been fun. And it's good for me to check check in on you every once in a while. Matthew is across the wall from me here. So if he's having a bad day, I know because he's kicking the wall and he's abusing it. But I, no, I never hear you kick the wall. You don't You don't get mad. I don't think I've seen you get mad. Well, I, I can tell when Danny's busy doing his work because I hear a, a low rumbling from the office. It's just a... a <laughs> series of continual phone calls so i can tell danny's busy doing stuff uh doing something something in there he's doing something um what i'd like to talk to you today is about um a couple of things one is i know you're you've done a lot of work with what we call sustainment and so uh, I'd like to start off with that, and then I'd like to talk a little bit about when you're working with people all over the world, you know, with offshore partners, with just sort of people in uh, various locations, maybe some of the things you picked up in on that um, projects. Sure. So just starting off with sustainment, tell me just what, what it, for folks who may not know what it is, what is sustainment? Well, in Three Will world, sustainment is an outcropping, an offshoot of work we did for a major company where they did not want us to just dump this particular product on their support team and have them support it. And it really worked out to be a great thing. They asked us if we would put together a one-year, two-year, three-year plan to support them in this particular product so that if questions arose or new features needed to be added, we would be ready to do so. And so it spawned this whole new ecosystem within 3Will where we now offer that as a standard offering for our, our enterprise customers as an option. It's certainly not required. But the idea behind sustainment is you'll be guaranteed that we will you will get our attention. Uh, obviously, if you're a customer, we certainly want to pay attention to you. But if you've purchased a sustainment agreement, you certainly will go to the top of the queue if you have any issues that arise. That's great. So you have um, a certain number of hours that you'll have committed towards to the year. Is that the way that, that it's all set up? It works a lot like a lawyer and a retainer fee okay. in many ways. Now, we don't hold on to your money. If you don't use it, no big deal. It usually rolls over to the subsequent year, which is great. Uh, but it gives the um, our customer the peace of mind knowing that if things come up during the year, that may not be big items, but there's certainly something that affects the production or the affects the use, that they can get those issues resolved without having to go through a budgeting or a bidding or any process like that. Mm -hmm. They just know they can call us and we can get it taken care of. And so this is things like um, level three support. Is it building new features? I, I wish it what were level it? three support. Sometimes <laughs> it's level one support, which we don't mind. I mean, it, just like anything else, if you develop an application for someone, your name or your company gets associated with that. So if there's a problem with X, they call Matthew. Uh, it's not because there's a problem that with the problem or with the program necessarily, but it is associated with it. So we sometimes will triage it, which we certainly don't mind. In fact, we'd rather them call us than them be frustrated trying to figure out who to call within their organizations. Sometimes we deal with some really, really big companies and they've got such a diverse set of products on their infrastructure. The people working in IT don't know who to route these people to. We can help with that. That's great. And so does can you use these hours to perhaps build in new features? Oh, certainly. Yeah. We're not yeah. just sitting around waiting for bug fixes. Okay. A lot of times we can uh, uh, work with a customer who's got a set of 
features that might be small in nature or they might be large. We, uh, it, it's really just trading dollars for dollars. It's, it's just a bucket of pre-allocated money that they know that they have. If they don't use it, it gets to roll over. But a lot of times we find is that towards the end of the year, end of the budget year, the customer will say, hey, I've got this bucket of money and I've got these things that have been kind of building up these feature requests, et cetera. Let's go ahead and get these taken care of. And that's what they'll do. Awesome. Now, um, as you're looking at this and, uh, you know, Tommy and I have been talking a lot about process lately and knowing that we use Scrum internally, how does this all fit? Like with getting the, um, request from a client, how do, how does this, how does that work? Yeah, it's, it really works as little mini projects and okay. the mini project may be as simple as a question and an answer. Uh, what we'll do is the question will come in either via phone, email, uh, directly to our personal email or to sustainment at three will we have a, um, a email address that the customers can use regardless of how we get it we'll create a ticket in inside of our ticketing system and the idea behind capturing this information in a ticket is invariably we have other things that need to be attached to this ticket whether i'm talking with a colleague there's time involved what have you conversations we always want to be able to go back to a audit trail, if you will, of when the customer called, what they called about, uh, did we resolve it, how fast we resolved it, etc. So it depends on the um, scope of the question. If it if it's small in nature where it's a quick answer, we get it done in 15 minutes, no big deal. If it's something that takes a little bit of research, we might call the customer back within that day or maybe the next day. But if it's a series of things that they want done, new feature requests, et cetera, we will usually provide the customer with an estimate and we use our standard sizing spreadsheet. It's, we call it the t-shirt sizing, like small, medium, and large, just to give the customer an idea of what the estimate in effort, which in turn turns to dollars, would be for a given set of features that they're asking for. So is that a is that what like Bruce uses for creating a product backlog, or is that le, is that more lightweight? It's a much thing? more lightweight. Okay. It's, it, we realize that the sustainment um, items that come up, we don't want to overdo it with heavy project management because that doesn't do anybody any good. We spend too many cycles for something very small, but we realize we need to be able to give the customer an idea what's it going to cost them in time and effort, mm -hmm. and we needed to do that quickly. And this t-shirt sizing really is a is a great way to do it. We'll think as a developer, we'll say, okay, I think this is going to take me an hour or two, or it might take me half a day, or it might take me three days. Based on that, we simply plug it into a, a spreadsheet, or we just look at it, a chart, and it translates Three hours of development time equals six hours of development time, QA, uh, user acceptance testing, and deploy to production. There's all these layers that get added on. If it takes me 15 minutes to do, great, but we have processes we have to follow to get it into production, and we have to account for that as well. That's great. I, just earlier today, I had a request from... Uh, um, from a prospect asking about, uh, it was basically some customizations to the thing that we did with Trove with um, the Office 365 and Salesforce, and Salesforce inter yes. integration. And they were asking for, you know, sort of a lightweight, how much does it cost for to do this, this, and this? And it wasn't something I needed a full product backlog around. So I forwarded it on to, to Bruce and to Eric and said, hey, can you 
Um, can you t-shirt size these, you know, and the, the sizes are extra small as is it's less than a thousand dollars small as is it's, you know, it's less than 5,000, you know, and basically gave them some buckets to fill, fill them in with. I'd be interested to see what you guys do to see if we could use that for when those types of requests come in. Well, what's important, and we probably wouldn't do that necessarily for a new customer or an application we've never dealt with before because there's too many unknowns. Um, but for a product that we originally developed or we've picked up and started supporting, so we're familiar with it yeah. and we're talking to the subject matter experts who have dealt with it before, we can get a pretty good uh, idea how much effort it's going to take. And sometimes we also balance it based on the resource who's going to be doing it. Like, for example, if I'm the world's greatest person at digging holes and i am <clears throat> only got so many holes I can dig and we got to get somebody else to do it, they might not be as fast at doing that. So we adjust the estimates accordingly. That's great. That's great. So let's switch over to the second subject that I would like to talk about, which is um, <clears throat> on some of your projects, you're working with teams that are really spread across the world. What is that? What's the challenges that come come to play with doing that? What are some of the things that you've learned when working with teams that are really distributed everywhere? Well, you know, it's interesting, even with a team size of U plus one, communication is very important. Even in our sustainment world, we're always um, trying to document, not, not um, crazy documentation where we're writing novels and books about a certain process, but facts that help us in the future. We just had a scenario just uh, yesterday where we had to figure out why we did something back in June of last year, and we went back to the history and we found it. So when we're talking about a geographically distributed team, we use our standard technique of stand-up meetings. You know, when we're um, doing a project type work where we have our daily stand-ups, 15 minutes, tell me what you did yesterday, tell me what you're going to do today, tell me what is blocking you, if anything. Those are invaluable because it keeps the the, the finger on the pulse of the project for all involved. It's important, I think, for everyone involved in the project, even if you're not working on a certain area, to know if an area is going well or not. And certainly as a project manager, you must know that. You know, we use a variety of tools. We use our own SharePoint um, uh, Office 365 instances. We have a project extranet that has lists for issues, a list for back, backlog items, sprints, etc. We've also used commercial applications. Some of our customers uh, deal with Atlassian Jive, for example, and we've used that to manage issues, track them, etc. So the idea here is you need to keep track of your backlog items uh, for the project. You need to keep track of your sprint items for the given sprint that you're working on, whether it's a one-week sprint, two-week sprint, three-week sprint. You need to know what those tasks are because that's what you're going to re be reporting on in a daily basis. How are you progressing against those items you've committed to complete by the end of the sprint? What are your, <clears throat> I guess for some of the recent projects you've been on, what is, is it a two-week sprint? What's a typical sprint for you? You know, it's interesting. Uh, we were The project I'm currently on is kind of in a strange phase where we did a lot of work and we were doing two-week sprints at the time. Uh -huh. Now we've gotten it to a certain point where we're transitioning it into a production environment. And so we're really resolving any issues that arise, not necessarily with our application, but issues with the environment. What is blocking us from getting this thing deployed to production? And there's lots of little things that we're discovering in this website. It's it's static content that we never knew existed on the website. It's, <laughs> it's processes and all these other machines that might be SQL server agents that are running every day to transfer information from one enterprise Oracle database to a SQL server 
Oracle database, excuse me, SQL Server database. And so it's more like, okay, this thing, this website hasn't changed in years and we're discovering more and more about it as we get closer and closer to the production deadline. Mm -hmm. And so we're really triaging issues that come up. The customer helps us prioritize them if they're important to get resolved before we go to production. They're marked high or higher, high critical or blocker, and we address those as quickly as possible. And then we let set things settle down. We're dealing with about, in this particular situation, we're dealing with about 20 items that are in this state of we got to get these things done. We get it down to maybe uh, 15 and then it bumps back up to 22, then we get it back down to 20. <laughs> but it's not program stuff. It's not stuff yeah. that we did necessarily, but it's stuff we're finding out about the project, about the implementation that we never knew about because the people who implemented it years ago are long gone and mm -hmm. we're uncovering archaeological artifacts as we go along. <laughs> That's where yeah. having good communication, having yeah. a proper issue list, dealing with a worldwide team, we got groups doing load testing, QA, all around the U.S. and even around the world, just coordinating those efforts is uh, an important aspect of successfully delivering a project like that. Great. It almost sounds like you're. So, uh, you know, I know some projects have like a deployment sprint or deployment set of sprints. Well, we've so. got um, it, they they have an infrastructure which is really good where we've got a sandbox environment where we can do with it what we want, uh -huh. a QA environment that we share for deploying into and doing strict QA testing, and then a brand new production environment that ultimately this application will reside in. They've got their existing production environment that we don't have to touch. So we've got all the infrastructure we need to do the testing. We're just trying to make certain that the new production has all the functionality of the existing production, and that's the trick. Any other tips or pointers when you're working with a, a team that's distributed across the world? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it just, you know, just be aware of time zone differences. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> when you have those meetings at 6 a.m. Yeah. in the morning, it's not fun. Yeah. And for them, it's not fun having a meeting at 10 p.m. at night yeah. either. So just be aware of cultural differences too. Uh, be certain, certain you are clear on your communication. If you've got a 12-hour or even a 24-hour turnaround on a communication you send, make certain that you send it and it's very clear because yeah. you don't want to get this back and forth because the latency will just kill you if you're taking three or four days to finally get to the real question where if you just spent a little bit of time at the outset, mm -hmm. crafted your communication, your email properly, you could have gotten your question answered much sooner. You doing, do you do like screen sharing or what's, what's, what's been some of the, you mentioned some of the tools that you use, which are like share, your SharePoint uh, client site and th those types of things. What are you using to, to, to maybe get everybody on the same page? Well, quite frankly, having a common QA environment uh -huh. and having a methodology that we use to de deploy to those environments makes it easy for us to replicate the problem. Since we're on a shared environment, if it's, if they say there's a problem happening with this uh, set of steps they follow, typically we can reproduce it. And that's mm -hmm. that's hugely helpful. If we were on two different systems, that might be harder to do. But because we're in a shared environment, that makes it much easier. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And uh, I appreciate our little quarterly get together. It's yeah, always nice to, the next to, one. Yeah. It's always nice to, to pull you out of the room and say, come into my office, Matthew. Come hang out with me for a little while. I appreciate your time. You're quite welcome, Dan. And I thank you for all that you do. It's incredible what you, uh, what you guys are doing with regards to sustainment, with regards to the stuff that you're doing on the large project that you're on right now. Uh, we're just, we feel so lucky to have you as part of the team. Thank you, Danny. You betcha. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye.